All right. Uh, Are we recording now? Uh, it, it is recording. I always start recording early. Fuck yeah. Uh, just to get some little something for beforehand. Is this going to be a depressing episode? Actually, I don't think so completely. Okay. Let's let's not dive into... Salud. Salud. Okay, and we are back. My name is Chibi. Uh, my name is Rooster, and I took a shot. He took a shot, I took a shot. This is After Two Tequila Shots, the podcast where we take two tequila shots and talk about current events, unfiltered, uncensored, unpredictable, but always distilled. Let's go, people. Yeah. We're back again. This is episode seven, which makes me really excited. Very happy for that. Uh, I'm I'm here for it. People are listening. People want more. Uh, and so we're going to give them more. Shout out to the listeners, the people who are making their Mondays when we drop on Mondays or now Tuesday. Sorry for the for the delayed. You uh, were in Baltimore. Week. It's true. It's true. Uh, but, you know, we have a responsibility to the people. We now have at least six people that Thank listen to us. And we respect <laughs> the six. Absolutely. So if you're joining us for the first time, if you're now person number seven, uh, here's what happened. We look back at a couple of things that happened throughout the week. Uh, we talk about them freely, openly, and usually after taking two tequila shots. And as the show progresses, we might take more. Um, we will see how many more we take because after this, Rooster has a class to teach. He's mm. got young minds to <laughs> cultivate. I'm, yeah, I'm titillated already. Okay. What, what tequila we got here today? Today we have Don Cosme tequila, uh, Reposado. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a cute little, you know, Calavera puppy on the front. Is this, this is like, it looks like the hairless Mexican dog. What's yes. it called? Like, the Quachicolque. Subculturally insensitive right now. No, we it, love that. Nahuatl. It's my culture. I'm allowed to be. True. Uh, but no, it's, yeah, it's got a cute little puppy dog thingy that looks like that hairless uh, or maybe it's just a chihuahua. God. How do we feel about it? I don't feel about I, do, I feel really bad about it now that I think it's a chihuahua. That feels real, <laughs> <laughs> really culturally insensitive. It seems weird because when I saw the bottle, I was really thinking like, oh, this is cute. But at the same time, this really does feel like it was probably produced by white people. This is a white person's tequila. Yeah. yeah. Which oh, is, no. And then the, the, the picture of the, yeah, little, the little agave farmer mm-hmm. on the back. El tequila Don Cosme es elaborado con el agave tequilano Weber, variedad azul de que se extraen sus jugos para elaborar el mejor tequila. Y se pone a madurar en barricas de madera de roble blanco para un reposado excelente y así obtener un óptimo tequila. Mm-hmm. Very uh, caramel notes mm-hmm. happening, some vanilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, heavy on the vanilla, heavy I on would the vanilla. say. Yeah. Um, a little oaky, but not smoky. Yeah, cooked, cooked. not smoked. Yeah, um, I I would give this, uh, I'd give this like a six point eight out of ten. Yeah, seven. I'm, I'm not mad at it. No. All right, well, that's it about she the cute. You know, like if I was out and someone was and and that was at someone's house, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't order it at a bar. I think I think my go-to at a bar has become Espolón. Yeah, that's good stuff. It's good. It's smooth. It's middle middle mm-hmm. of the road. The other day I did have some Don Julio. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that? Fourteen ninety two. Yep. 
It's good stuff. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. This is a $100 tequila for sure. This podcast has really been the most tequila I've had in the last 20 years. Really? But I'm not mad at it. Like, it's great. Okay. I'm, I'm happy you're expanding your tequila palette. Because sure. um, I was that kid who tequila was that dangerous drink. You oh. know what I mean? At a young age. But like, I and I don't know if this is a cultural thing, just being Mexican, but I, it, I I'd never had those like terrible trips that some people have with tequila where mm-hmm. they're just like I can't even t- stand the smell and da 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 mm-hmm. like I've had those terrible trips but like I'm like you know, then you bounce back yeah I'm like it was great we can have some more yeah never had that problem but uh, but yeah no I I, I I I would just keep my taste strictly to the the whiskey Jose Cuervos and yeah the simple stuff and then graduated to whiskey and just been a whiskey dude okay I feel that I feel that but, I yeah. on the flip side mm-hmm. uh, can drink a whole bottle of tequila and still be fine true it's I've in my it. blood yeah same. It's one of those things where, like, depending on what kind of night I'm going to have, like, if I know it's going to be a long night, I'll drink tequila. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's like, I'm just looking to, like, wind down and go to bed, I'll drink vodka. Tequila is my party boy juice. Oh. The only thing that's more party boy juice than that is probably rum. Because rum, I, I hear you. No, mm-hmm. like, as in, and, and this isn't, like, a pro-rum thing. No, it's this, just is, a, this is not a pro-rum podcast. No. Just so you know. But just... Whenever I'm at that situation where rum is around, the party in my head is up to like level ten. Uh-huh. And then with tequila, Rooster might be taking his clothes off. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I had that bad habit. I used to like <laughs> drop to my undies and go run through sprinklers okay. off of rum. But okay. then tequila, it's like the party is at an eight, but it's a solid eight. Uh-huh. And then sometimes it's just like always on the lookout for like who's that guy who's looking at me. Like okay. I get a little kind of tequila paranoid. Okay, I don't know why. Tequila just allows me to coast through the night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel good. I feel smooth. Yeah. We're going. And then when it's time to go to bed, okay, it's time to... Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's whiskey for me. Done. Yeah. Okay. So, good stuff. Uh, yeah, seven. 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 Six, six point eight. Sure. For me, it's a 6.8. Love it. All right. Let's get into it, people. It's been a busy, busy week. So we're going to get into the major news events recap of the week. Mm. Okay. First and foremost. First up. Happy National Poetry Month. Wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time now. Happy National Poetry Month. Yeah, it's National Poetry Month, everybody. If you don't know, April is National Poetry Month. We have some. Nah, that was cool, yeah. Let it all. that We're celebrating, damn it. We're celebrating National Poetry Month. Um, So usually National Poetry Month is the time where poets take on the challenge known as 30 for 30, which is to write 30 poems in 30 days. Have you ever completed said challenge? Uh, closest I ever got was 28. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did that, how many haikus did that involve? Actually, that time, two. <laughs> but then the next year, I was more determined to really hit the 30 for 30 mm-hmm. and then way more haikus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it was kind usually, of the cheat code. Look, if Rudy Francisco has taught us anything, it's that two sentences can be a poem. A poem. No, 100%. Yeah. Who has Rupi Carr also? Rupi Carr. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's all about like, the economy of words, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think I've only done it once. Mm-hmm. Successfully, 30 days. And that might have been like 10 haikus or something like that. Yeah, um, halfway through, it's just... And then I think it's also a busy work time for us. Yeah. So that, We got tours, we got shows, yeah. we got all these things. We'll be like, you're a poet. Let's hire you to do something. Yeah, just things in the way. So, yeah. what are you doing this year for? 
I am reading a lot of poetry. Okay. I am posting on my Instagram uh, a book of poetry a day just for the casual reader who like doesn't know a lot of poets because I think that's something I find. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just even poets who don't know like now living or or contemporary poets mm-hmm. who are really, really good and books that they should look into. It's kind of still very much almost like a, like an indie music thing mm-hmm. where you just kind of stick to what you know. Oh, poetry is totally the indie music genre of the literary, literary world. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, yeah, it's kind of just like showing people that, that maybe they've never heard of from different regions, mm-hmm. different states, different cities. And just kind of putting it out there like that and tagging them and showing showing that I do really support their work. Like so far, I think I did like Gris Munoz mm, and um, Sonny Patterson. And today was um, Charles Simic, who just recently passed away. He was a tremendous – I really love Charles Simic's work. Okay. Uh, great, great kind of author, economy of words, <laughs> connoisseur. So You are a well-read poet. Uh, yeah. I, I read a lot, but uh, but honestly, like actually, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. you are a well whatever, yeah, whatever. Like you yeah. know, you're into movies and you know everything about movies. You're into uh-huh. poetry and you are deep in the weeds. You love hip hop and you know mm-hmm. that in 1997, so and so did X Y Z, right? Yeah. I think so. that's my addictive personality. Uh huh. Yeah. Where do you find the time? <laughs> I don't know. I, I like. I should be working out. <laughs> I should be doing. I should be. I should be doing more things. I have the body of a poet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I think I did that once. It happens in the fall, and I forgot what they call it. Where it's like read thirty books of poems mm-hmm. in thirty days. Uh, another one of those weird challenges that Twitter just puts out. Uh, and it really helped get me through my uh, emotional support pile of unread books because mm-hmm. we have an extensive library here. I don't think we've read most of the books that we, that we own. It's it's a lot. And so we try to support and then we read some. Um, what am I trying to finish right now? I'm finishing Franny Choi's The World Keeps Ending and The World Keeps Going On. I think that's what it's called. You said that was good though, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm halfway through it. And it's, uh, it's a really interesting take on, on apocalypses mm. and kind of the, the va- various forms that an apocalypse can take, right? And how the world ends, but it doesn't. It just keeps going on, as the title implies. Really good. I saw her read the opening poem of that book at the beginning of the COVID shutdown and was completely blown away by it. And I was like, fuck. No, yes. Tremendous talent. We ran into at AWP. Yeah, yeah. Cross cross paths of sorts. If you got any uh, poetry books, authors, recommendations, send them our way. We'd love to shout them out. Uh, After two tequila shots at gmail.com. That's after the number two tequila shots at gmail.com. And if you're a poet... Uh, happy National Poetry Month to you. Yeah. And best of luck uh, with whatever you got going on, whether it's 30 for 30, whether it's gigs, whether it's shows, whether it's just reading to yourself yeah. and contemplating on the mysteries of the universe. And, his, you know, like as uh, I'm working on revamping words and shit and bringing that back, that's another podcast. If you're just now hearing about this, there's another podcast called Words and Shit where we bring on poets and you get to know the person behind the poetry. Uh, I'm re- like this really opens my eyes to the fact that there is no shortage of amazing poets Mm-mm. out there putting no. work out there uh, that need to be highlighted. So uh, let us know who's maybe your favorite undiscovered poet, right? We all know Ada Limon and mm-hmm. we stand Ada Limon, but who's your favorite undiscovered poet that has uh, some work out there? I wanted to do that almost for this national poetry month. Like I wanted to make a, either like a Facebook post or an Instagram post uh-huh. where, so like, I guess for example, in San Antonio, 
uh, J.R. Estrada, who, shout out to J.R. Estrada. Shout out to J.R., you're always welcome on the pod. Absolutely. So, like, someone who writes and is, is local, and, and and I wanted to, like, post, like, something for, for like, poets that we know around the country. Like, who is your J.R. Estrada? Yeah. Do they have Do they have a book? I want that person's yeah. book. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see who's that guy or person or, or, or gal at your scene who, uh, you know, loves what what the scene's about, who's always consistent, who contributes. Um, but, you know, they're they're the local champ or they're the local uh, favorite, a local favorite. Yeah. Um, uh, Desiree Giacomo and Donnie Rose had a podcast called Drawl, uh, which you can still find out in the world uh, of wherever you get your podcasts. And they uh, talk shit, you know, uh, but talk about like Southern poetry. Yeah. And I think it was their first episode where they featured Icon, uh, Shikandria Sibley, uh, out of New Orleans. And the kind of segue into it was like, who's your favorite not famous, famous poet? Yeah. You know, like these like regionally or locally well-known, revered, uh, super highly lauded, whatever. But it like feels like they're, they're only known in like their pocket of yeah. people. Uh, and that's how they introduced Icon as this like really like New Orleans mm-hmm. institution of yeah. poetry that deserves uh, greater acknowledgement. And Desiree Jell- Giacomo said me and Aww. I felt really loved. I was like, oh, Desiree likes me. Shout out to Desiree. Uh, Shout so, out to Icon, who is an icon and who, who we love yes. and stand. And, and Donnie Rose. Y'all and Donnie Rose. Yeah. Pod anytime. Um, so yeah, let us know who are your local favorites, your local champions. We'll shout. The, we'll create a new segment just for National Poetry Month uh, to shout out some poets uh, in the coming weeks. Totally, I've decided. Salute to that. Salute. Uh, salute also to the next line item on our major news events recap, which is Donald Trump has been indicted. <laughs> The paperwork has been filed. He is flown into Manhattan today uh, to uh, be processed. Yeah. So we are recording this on Monday, April 3rd, and the arraignment, arraignment, that's the word, right? Yeah. Happens tomorrow when this podcast will air. So by the time you flee the country or anything (laughs) strange happens, we did not know. By the time you hear this podcast, more has been developed. But, um, how are we feeling about this? Right now, they're saying over 30 charges potentially levied. What? Yes. From all types of fraud, business fraud, nonprofit fraud. Um, so it could get very serious. They do, from what I read and what I listen to, they say that this, this is probably the more minor of all the things that he's currently sure. under investigation for. And I totally get that. I do think it's this really solid bit of accountability that I was worried about, especially when Joe Biden got elected. Where it it does there does seem to be that sort of like okay let's just leave the past in the past with this mm-hmm. um, and they didn't and they really kind of uh, are seeking accountability and holding him to the fire for the things that he's done and the laws that he's broken. Mm-hmm. I'd love to I love hearing that it's like thirty plus, uh, but kind of like how we talked about last week, this just feels like the one that they have the most tangible evidence to mm-hmm. just make it stick. Right, everything else still feels a bit. Uh, Corporeal? Is that the word for it? I might have made that up. That's not it. (laughs) That's not it. I use the English language very loosely uh, sometimes, most of the time. Uh, That, what has been... The backlash. You know, I don't even want to say surprising because at this point it feels like on brand where Republicans are just kind of like, 
yeah, this is what we stand for, but it doesn't apply to us here in this situation, wherein like the the party of law and order is like, but not us, right? <laughs> no, and and then the the way they sort of reverse language, like it's a witch hunt against him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 uh, the the weaponizing of the justice system against him. When literally, when Trump was in office, they were weaponizing the justice system, mm-hmm. and they were weaponizing a lot of of, of individuals in charge of particular positions. And so I completely agree. And, and, and it's sad that it's, it's not shocking that they're all in lockstep behind Trump and, and, and his, uh, persecution complex. I was honestly expecting something different because I felt like, I think Mitch McConnell hates Donald Trump. No, I think they all hate him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think like they are waiting for an excuse to be like, okay, well, guess not anymore. Right. And I I thought this I mean, maybe we'll see down the line, like as right. the trial evolves and where people start to fall off, because I mean, you saw the the Ted Cruz of it all uh, mm-hmm. back in 2016, where it was like, this person's the worst person in the world. And then it's like, we support Donald Trump, even though he called my wife ugly. Yeah. Said that my dad helped murder JFK, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> The shit this man gets me out. Yeah, I mean all of it, and and I don't know. I think there is this. This is completely speculative, but in my weird from the bleachers perspective of of the pol- political theater, um, I do have this feeling that Republicans are just so 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 afraid that power is. At, at the, the their fingertips to lose, mm-hmm. where so that it, it doesn't matter. It just they have to stay in in concert behind any single idea, so long as it's to maintain power. Yeah, and that's why there's all these new legislation that's coming out. How they're trying to um, essentially abolish the education department in the United States, and 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 taking all these very aggressive, I would say, fascist mm-hmm. uh, steps. Many would say fascist. Sure. Steps. Um, it's <laughs> absolutely they would, and 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 it's all because I think at, at their core they realize that they have to sort of pivot eventually away from Trump. At some point, he's going to go away. Yeah. And the I don't know if they feel they have the next person in line. I know they're propping up a Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. but Ron DeSantis doesn't have that. I hate to say electricity, C- charisma. Yeah. It's, it's a lack of charisma. Yes. Yes. Ron um, DeSantis is about as interesting as a bag of sand. Right. I mean, because they're both milk toast white men. However, D- Donald Trump is toasted with a spray tan. Yeah. The problem is that Ron DeSantis is uh, a is Donald Trump with a brain. Yeah. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And so, if if a Ron DeSantis does get elected, it's like, oh, now we're in trouble because yeah. this person actually knows how to get shit done and right. isn't just like spewing off whatever you know rolls off the tongue in the moment. Yeah, um, making bizarre promises about walls and Mexico yeah. paying for it and things like that. This is my hope. We were talking about this last week at Women of the World. Uh, this is my hope: is that Ron DeSantis gets the Republican nomination. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump goes independent, goes independent Mm -hmm. and throws such a, you know, little fit Mm -hmm. over it and decides, well, I'm just running on my own party. Y'all vote for me here. Right. And that splits the Republican vote to make it feasible for whoever. I don't want it to be Biden. (laughs) 
<laughs> and also Kamala ain't. No, yeah. Kamala, Kamala ain't doing it either. And, and the, that's the thing. There's no viable. I don't see a viable dip. Well, because we, you and I are both firmly left of center. Not where I wouldn't say we're far, far left from center, but we're very firmly left. From firmly center. left of center um, in our own politics and yeah. things. And and it just seems like very basic things that we ask for. Nothing too too extreme, but yeah. but but we we do lean to the left. Now I think I was just watching something the other day that again kind of puts it into perspective. Like Joe Biden is actually probably center right. Yes. If you really look at his policies, if you look at the, at, at his you know record yeah. on, on and voting, I ain't mad at that either. No. You know, like I I there are certain issues that you know I understand the, the what is more of a traditional Republican platform, not whatever the fuck is happening right now. Right. Right. Uh, that it's like, yeah, maybe there are moments to be fiscally conservative in certain ways. Right. right. But so I am mad at the. Yeah. Center. And now like Bernie, we would probably say, yes, he is left. Um, and I'm maybe just like a few degrees in from that, <laughs> but, but we don't have a radical left in this country. We mm-hmm. have a, an extreme radical right. Yeah. And I think that's where this, this, there's a huge imbalance between the conversation and like, I, actually we'll talk about this because I had a really interesting conversation in, at, at school today where we were talking about does literature have a value anymore and, or is it just strictly entertainment? Oh. And it's just a conversation to get students discussing it and things like that because, um, you know, there is this war going on in, in English departments and in conferences all the time right now where they feel that literature and the humanities and the poetry elements um, aren't, are, are a disservice to mm. students and their, their forward progression into adulthood. Uh-huh. And that we should focus more on things like rhetor- rhetor- rhet- blah, rhetorical analysis, um, technical writing, email writing, uh, resume writing, right? And these things that I would say have no soul. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They are necessary. Yes, we should, but not at the expense of. Right. Uh, the heart of of literature and the mm-hmm. heart of the humanities. And so, as we're having this conversation, I had one student kind of speak out and say that you know, well, but we still have to kind of police some of this because you know, some there's some teachers out there that are pedophiles. And I'm like, is it because of their literature that they teach that they're pedophiles? <laughs> or and and the case she was making was that through certain pornographic, and this is and I'm hearing her re- just basically regurgitate TikTok conspiracy theory at me, uh-huh. uh, and it's all the greatest hits. It's you know, it's it's grooming, it's pedophilic uh, t- teachers who are it's, using it's, LGBTQ sex pornography books to uh-huh. groom our children and confuse them at the wrong age. Uh-huh. And it's just like, but have you read the books that that are? And 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 we had this whole com- conversation about like, well, it, it, her question to me was, well, is it right for a teacher to to teach that uh-huh. that there's this love scene of, of of two men and their their ones questioning his queerness in, in it and I'm like well I don't know the book like yeah. there's probably a larger context you know like there's other books that have love scenes in them or complicated right. like cheating marriages infidelity like all types of things Romeo like, do- and Juliet it, exactly two 14 year olds that like run <laughs> off in the middle of the night get married and then yeah. kill themselves because their parents won't let them be together yeah how is that not problematic as fuck absolutely and it gets weirder and weirder the more you go down these rabbit holes and and it's like I'm sure there's a context to it uh-huh. and that's what I was trying to explain to to this student and I think she kind of understood like I was I was like I'm not debating you I just want to 
bring other ideas into you where you, yeah. into your perspective. Yeah. And that was the main thing is like I you know, what was the theme of that book? Mm-hmm. What was the ideas behind that book? What was the characters? What was their arcs? What were these yeah. other things? If the parent can't tell me that and they're just mad about two pages, yeah. well then they need to get the fuck out of here. Because if that kid watches John Wick at all, <laughs> like I don't want to hear this shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Because again, like we let violence just be this Out there. huge wave of shit. And 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 yet these, you know, pages of, of, of poems or books or whatever the case is just get totally torn asunder by by the right. And 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 I do think going back to this this what we're saying in politically, I think that's just where we're at right now, where it's like you have I would I would optimistically say a l- more than half of the country who want to do make things better. Yeah. And then there's just these smaller encampments of varying degrees of conspiracy theorists or individuals who don't want to necessarily feel uh, engaged with the political process. They just want to yell mm-hmm. and they want to elect other people who yell and not really do their homework or legwork in what it makes to to have we a fucking said, civilization. Yeah, we said it last week that all of these bills that are being passed are being passed without any sort of education as to what exactly these bills are doing. Without any know? education experts. Yeah. Uh, I just saw a thing this morning where it, the language is so vague that like librarians are just like, I have no idea what is going on here and what is and isn't acceptable. Or if I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. Like, uh, my favorite thing that I've seen is the literary world fighting back. I saw this mm-hmm. picture of uh a what do they call it an end you, you know at the the thing at the end you know you got like bookshelves but then an on end the cap. end an end cap yes mm-hmm. an end cap in the children's section of Barnes and Nobles uh-huh. that just said banned books yeah and here are 20 books that have been banned for whatever reasons and it says like for each book I was banned because and gives the reason but here are the books go ahead and buy them mm-hmm. you know like and the literary world just being like, yeah, ban the fucking books. It don't matter. The books are still out there. People can still access them. Why? Because they're valuable resources to the culture of this country. I did see on there, Woke Baby by Mahogany <laughs> Brown. Yeah. Shout out to Mahogany Brown. You're welcome on the pod anytime. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Woke Baby. So, yeah. Um, it's, it is. The question has always been like, how do we combat ignorance? Right. And I don't want to use the word ignorant. In a demeaning term right. in any Not way. Not like a pejorative. It's like you literally don't you know. You literally don't know. So like how do we combat ignorance and we combat that through knowledge and where do we find knowledge in books, in writing, in conversation, in uh, Socratic symposiums mm-hmm. uh, to use college language. Uh, and just educating people on like there are more than one way of thinking about things. Right. And that's what it feels like it's coming down to. So... We'll see what happens. So fingers crossed Donald Trump goes to jail. Or runs against Ron DeSantis and clears the way for whoever. <laughs> Here's my theory on the on the on the uh, on the Democratic side is that we don't have we don't have a strong runner. I, well, you and I I think would both agree that we need to the I think the Democratic Party too needs a split. That there need we need more I think than a we two all party need to split. System. Yes, we the the, the two right. party system is bullshit. A, right. but the two party system that we currently work in, um, we there's no one, no, no one that I see out there that is like, yeah, that's 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 the one that's gonna come in and whatever you know. Like the only hope would be that something like a Bill Clinton or like an Obama comes through where it's like, who the fuck is this person and where did they come from? And just Mm -hmm. like shoots off and it's like, all right, 
this, you know, Arkansas governor or, you know, yeah. po- politician from. Who wasn't supposed to win because he was up against an incumbent. Yeah. George Herbert Washington. Bush. Yeah. So that's the kind of like, di- I think the closest thing we have is maybe AOC and mm. I don't know. Yeah. AOC is going to get the kind of the, political. The, the amount of hate that AOC gets to me is like astounding. Cause I like, she is a house of representative member for a special, like a very su- s- selective small. part of New York <laughs> city. Yeah. And so to hear any individual who does not live there, does not live in New York city, let alone uh-huh. just be so up in arms about AOC. It's just like the most confusing thing to me. I'll it's never not, understand that. It's not confusing to me because I understand people's immediate uh, pushback against a woman of color with a strong opinion. Very true. And and I, I will totally concede that point. Like, that absolutely is always a That's thing. That's all it is. If she was a white man, mm-hmm. nobody would be talking about her. It'd be like, oh, it would be Bernie. Yeah, exactly. It'd be yeah. like, oh, here's this white man with these leftist ideas. Because even so like Elizabeth like, Warren catches a lot of hell, but not to the degree. Not to the degree yeah. at all. Uh, speaking of hell... What's going on in Italy? <laughs> I'm going into this uh, into this conversation blind. I didn't read the notes. I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, but are Italians wildin? Are Italians wildin? The country of of Italy. So this was. I just saw this, and I think this sparks could spark a really interesting conversation. But okay. it is reported in CNN that the Prime Minister Giorgia Meloni uh, supports this recently introduced legislation to penalize government officials who write or officially communicate in any other language than Italian and more specifically English. Uh, a draft of the bill states it's not just a matter of fashion, but Anglomania has repercussions for society as a whole. Ooh, Anglomania. Hey, right? That's sexy. <laughs> uh, the potential law would also create a committee with, a cultural, uh, with the cultural ministry for the correct use and pronunciation of the Italian language. So no more bruschetta. It's bruschetta. You <laughs> with, with the hand. With the hand gesture. With the hand gen- <laughs> And by getting it wrong, it could be a punishable, uh, finable offense. Wow. Um, and also see to protect the cuisine of the country by banning synthetic or cell-based cuisine to safeguard our, to quote, safeguard our nation's heritage and our agricultural based on a Mediterranean diet. So oh. this is why I think it's interesting. One, it's, it is it is very xenophobic in a lot of ways. You got to call it what it is. Uh-huh. Um, very xenocentric uh, to the Italian way of life. But then I, what I, how I kind of looked at it is sort of, I don't want to get sad, but in the whole fear of a, of an oncoming potential Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump presidential run, um, and knock on wood, uh, they don't win. Uh, I could, the, the argument that gets made all the time of the United States, not having a national language Mm -hmm. and sort of the United States, not having sort of cultural, touchstones the way that like a more hegemonic society like Italy does mm-hmm. uh, to do something like this. So like, I don't know, is Italy wildin one for saying, no, le- this is Italian. It reminds me of like, you've seen that, that Instagram uh, reel of uh, it's like a judge Judy show. Uh-huh. in I want to say Colombia. 
And uh, <laughs> there's like this young girl who comes in and the judge is like, hola, como esta, da, da, da. And she's like, hello, my name. And she's like, no, 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 no. Ninguna hablar en inglés aquí. And she just starts going off on this girl uh-huh. uh, for, for, for speaking in English. And uh, she says, your name is not Moon, it's Luna. And like she just gives her hell oh, wow. for okay. all this stuff. Um, and that's kind of what this this sounds like to me in this weird, interesting way where, you know, Cultural identity, I think, is something that is important to certain nations. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's something that you and I kind of link to with Mexico. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, however, in the United States, we do have this weird thing where it's like cultural identity, I would say, exists. But at the same time, it does perpetrate certain oppressions, yeah. <laughs> negative stereotypes, okay. exclusion, othering, things like that. So There's a lot to unpack here. Yes. So uh, is Italy wilding, yes, because there is. I think there's a way to preserve cultural uh, heritage and uh, cultural authenticity without policing. Mm. There's a difference between preserving and policing, Fair. and this feels like policing. Right. All right, like how you pronounce certain words. Uh, yeah. w- sure, you can correct people, but then to like find them, right, or it'd be it'd be a punish- punishable offense. We're going into some like 1984 bullshit here, mm-hmm. right? Thought police, right. essentially. So that's scary. Uh, I do think it's wilding. Um, on the subject of American cultural identity, the prob, not the problem actually, because in my perspective, the beauty of it is that America doesn't have a cultural identity because it's a blend of cultures, right? From from oh, yeah. the beginning, if the Anglomania of it all. Yes, at the beginning, it was a lot of Anglos, just yep. all kind of in this New England area. But it was, you know, Anglos from Amsterdam, Anglos from Italy, Anglos France. from du- from. Ireland, Anglos from France, right? It was this mix. Holland, yeah. Yes. Dutch. This mix of Anglos that then mixed with indigenous, that then mixed with the natives of of uh, Mexico and Central America, that then mixed with, you know, the Asians mm-hmm. that came over from the other side. Like, that's the, that's the beauty of this country. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we can't just have this. Our cultural identity is the melting pot identity, right? And so... I think because that's hard to put on a Budweiser look, like ad though. It is. <laughs> it, it, uh, uh, it, is it though? Pepsi tried. Pepsi. They put Kendall Jenner. They put Kendall Jenner in a in a sea of cultural diversity, but still Kendall Jenner at the forefront. They tried. Uh, there's a poem out there about it. Um, so that's that's what I think. The problem is that there is a certain subset of people in this country that feel like they are the sole representatives of this country right. and want to essentially do what Italy is doing right now and be like, no, this is the story. This is who we are and everybody else just needs to be more like us. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, you're not welcome. And that's kind of what's happening maybe like on a culture war level, not like on a – outright legalization or criminalizing sort of way. But uh, that's why it really stood out to me because it's an interesting question where when you do have these uh, homogenous nations, 
that doing that is a preservation of culture yeah. and society. But I, I do agree with you. I think, especially in the United States, culture is such a complicated thing, not just from everything you've laid out, but also just regional regionality. Regionally, yes. Is, We're so big. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, like, in Baltimore, for instance, you had, like, seafood and, like, a whole, it's just a whole other world as opposed to where we were in Seattle yeah. the week before. I, I was uh, accosted, uh, <laughs> essentially, because um, we were talking about what they call a half and half. Uh-huh. And I was like, the creamer? Yeah. I'm so confused. And what do like, they call it? That's what they call it. They call uh, it half and half. They call an Arnold Palmer a oh, half and half. wow. Half lemonade, half uh, have sweet yeah. tea is called a half and half up there. Right. And that's creamer for us. And, and cr- half and half is creamer, right? And so it's this thing where it's like even regionally, we are so vastly different that how are you going to create a national identity when – the entire state of Texas has 14 different identities, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's just one state. Yeah. So I'm here for the diversity. I'm here. Like, I love, there's this other podcast. I'm going to shout out a podcast that has nothing to do with this called A Way With Words. Mm-hmm. A Way With Words. Uh, where they really dissect language and where it comes from culturally, historically, uh, geographically, all of that. And where do words come from? Where do phrases come from? How have they evolved over time? Uh, so I am a huge fan of this like diversity of language and phrases and colloquialisms mm-hmm. and celebrating those regionally and f- discovering them. It's just so fascinating to me that the need to kind of like homogenize everything is just so sad. Not for that. I, uh, to quote Rachel Wise- Wiley, uh, I wish you a lifetime of beige. <laughs> Shout out to Rachel Wiley. For people that want that. You always welcome on the pod uh, as well. Uh, we need shirts with you're always welcome on the pod because we invite everybody. Yeah. We going to make merchandise, y'all. After two tequila shots, you always welcome on the pod. <laughs> uh, um, so that was that. Uh, was going like, on to the – oh, wait. You got more? Uh, I was going to close this with a thought. Um, Lay it on me, Jack. Oh, all, I think the only other lingering thing that was like I understand the whole like – if you're doing official government mm-hmm. business in Italy, it should be in Italian. I mean, that like, kind of that kind of yeah. makes sense to me. To the degree that, like, even like when foreign ministers come to visit, they want to conduct business in Italian. Yeah. So, like, your American counterpart needs to speak Italian, or at least have a translator. Sure. That feels respectful to me. Mm-hmm. You know, not mad at it. You don't don't force everybody to speak English. I I, gen- I also really like parts of the cuisine element of this where uh, essentially they want to push back uh, that anglomania of synthetic food that Mm. we have way too much here in this country. (laughs) And they're saying, no, like we care about our people enough to keep out these synthetic, you know, cell based foods. Give me real truffles. Give me real. I mean, Reggiano. uh, all of it. (sighs) Here for the Italian food. Absolutely. Shout out to the Italians. Y'all welcome on the pod. I just got a pasta maker. Oh, no shit. I made my own pasta. I made my own spaghetti. Yeah. For the first time last week. Homemade pasta is great. I I doomed me because we're (laughs) never going back to dry pasta. No. It's just never happening. It's not the same. So uh, shout out to homemade pasta. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got. Moving on. Okay. Let's go. Do we need another shot? Yeah, I think we do because it's time for our next segment called How Much for a Gram, where we take something that we saw on Instagram and dissect the fuck out of it. How, how much, much for a four, four, gram, gram, gram. (laughs) 
Okay. Uh, you sent this over, and I was so here for it because I saw it happen in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm all. It happened to me, <laughs> and I. Uh, let Let's talk about it. Lay it out. Uh, First, the tequila shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The vanilla. Vanilla. The vanilla is strong on this one. Yeah. It, damn, I was going to change my voice, but it's going to change your voice. Say that one more time. The vanilla is strong in this one. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll read what we got here. Voice note versus text message versus phone call. This feels very elder millennial yeah. uh, existential crisis. I tried to. I, I was going to call it elder millennial in crisis again, <laughs> but then I decided no. Let's just do with the verses and just pretend that we're under the age of thirty. Yeah, yeah. No, this feels like a, an elder millennial existential crisis. So Vox.com has an article reporting on how now thirty percent of people are communicating via voice notes. Weekly, daily, multiple times a day. Younger people are using it more with some like 43% of 18 to 29-year-olds doing it. So, uh, (laughs) have you used voice notes? Is this something you like? How often are you making personal calls? Is it better than text? Are text and phone calls on the way out? Uh, Phone calls are dead to me. That's that was my first question cuz you and I communicate a lot and we never yeah. talk on the phone. That's a lie. That's no, a straight talk. up lie. What are we talking? I mean like we text. No, 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 no. Our texts to each other are yo. Oh. And then it's followed mm. by a phone call. Fair. Yeah, but, but how many it, times a month? But I think you and I it's different because of the kind of relationship that True. we have, right? And yeah, also yeah. the way that we communicate with each other. We're like we're bouncing things off of each other, and like text message just mm-hmm. doesn't work, right? Um, so I think it's di- similarly like with my. I don't text my parents, bless their hearts. Mm. Like it just doesn't work. See, I text my mom off. Like every day, I text my mom. She texts me back. We'll have some text chains, um, and then once to twice a week, I'll call her. Uh huh. Yeah. With me, like my texts with my parents are my parents texting me, hey, can you talk? Mm -hmm. And then a phone call. Right. You know, so I think in tighter, in tighter relationships, a phone call often makes sense, especially when it's like I have something, you know, to to talk about that I'm not quite landing on. I need to bounce something off of like, but in general, phone calls are dead. And I, I think I missed that. I missed a phone call. Mm. Like, I, I think that was one of the things about this article that that, that struck me is because I agree with you. I think phone calls are dead. I think text messages might slowly be on the way out for these voice messages. Let's not get there yet. Let's st- right, right, start right. with the phone call. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think phone calls just – I don't do them as much for, for hardly anyone unless it's a, hey – this it would take way longer than a text message yeah, would require. Yeah. Or an urgent kind of like, you know, I'll call my husband mm-hmm. and they like, hey, 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 can you grab this while you're there or whatever? Right. You know, like these little urgent quick things. But I think that's also comes with intimacy of relationships mm-hmm. where that works. Even for like work stuff or what I don't I don't have phone conversations with it's my emails. Emails or Zoom. Yeah. We just Zoom each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just, I had like seven Zooms today where it's like <laughs> this could have been a phone call, but now I'm like looking at your face, right? Yeah. Uh, because it feels a little more connected than a phone call. Right. Uh, because you can actually see the person and what's happening. Um, I te- Were you a big phone caller person like 
15 years ago. No, my sister was. Really? Okay, so here was... We, shout out to Julia. Shout out to Julia. You're welcome on the pod anytime. Uh, she... We would joke that the phone was essentially stitched to her <laughs> ear because it would be one of those things like she'd yeah. get home from school yeah. and immediately call her best friend mm-hmm. and just be on the phone with her best friend for hours. All day. Even if they were saying nothing oh, yeah. to each other. Doing other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like checking their own email or doing their so own you homework. never did you ever have a long distance relationship that required phone calls? Because I, I was in a few of those. That it was just like, oh, hey. And like, yeah, you would just go about your day because that was how you hung out. Well, Corey and I started as a long-distance relationship. Did y'all call that? Yeah. Okay. And we would be on the phone for like yeah. two, three hours at a time. Okay. Yeah. That's gone, I think, in many respects. Is it? Well, because now, well, FaceTime, I think, has taken that. And, and maybe that's even better for like a long-distance relationship. Sure, because that's kind of like a phone call. Yeah. And, and then you get to see their face. You get to yeah. see what they're doing. They can show you stuff. You, I see people doing more activities like together via FaceTime. Um, FaceTime feels like phone call adjacent. Right. Like, it's the evolution of phone call. Right. It doesn't feel like it's the death of a phone call. Yeah, yeah. It still feels like the same. Kind of. Just upgraded. Yeah. Right? We got smartphones now. Uh, but no, uh, I would say maybe in high school, back when landlines were still a thing. Yeah. A uh, couple of, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to call this person and we go and talk. And it's like 11 o'clock at night and we're going to stay on the phone until four in the morning. And be like, yeah. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Yeah. No, you hang up. Uh, that, I think, is dead. I remember I had a job as a security guard and I used to work graveyard shifts. And my good friend, you know, uh, Crazy Face, uh, she worked nights but would get off at, like, 10 but had, like, wicked bad insomnia around that time. So, like, we just talk, like, you know, because I'm just walking through nothing yeah. and just be like, oh, yeah, how was your class going or how's this going or how's that date with that guy going or nah, nah, nah. and just, you know. Just catch up. Yeah. Pontif- and, like, we would see each other, like, later. But it was just, you know, I, I think, I do think socializing, and maybe that's kind of, I guess, what I'm afraid of. Socializing is starting to dissipate. Yeah. And I see it more in, like, young people. They're very afraid to socialize with, with an authority figure, with someone who's who's older than them, um, just in general, a stranger. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't want to say that they're wrong for that, but, yeah, it's... It's it's definitely a thing. Whereas I feel like I'm of a generation where like you had to talk to people, mm-hmm. you had to talk to your neighbor, your parents would send you to go, hey, go talk to you know, go get something from that person. Yeah. Um, As someone who is socially awkward and naturally in- introverted, when I don't have a script, essentially, mm-hmm. um, for <laughs> me, text messages are about efficiency, mm-hmm. right? It's the the emotionally detached, pragmatic so- sense. It's like, I need something from you. I'm going to send you a text message. Right. You're going to get it back to me. Cool. We're going to move on with our day. Which is interesting because when I read your text, they read like that. Like, they're kind of always clinical. Yes. Whereas other people, and I think I'm in this camp, like, I try to text like I speak. Oh. So I'll be like, so, did you see, you know, like, with extra O's and yeah. punctuation? And- no. I'm, I'm very... I, I don't think I've ever seen you send an emoji maybe twice. Really? Maybe twice. I feel like I could. Uh, and uh, anyone that communicates with me at my job will will verify this. I emoji the phone. Like you're email heavy with the emojis? I, I'm emoji heavy uh, <laughs> with our Slack messages yeah. and all that where it's just there's always like a little wink emoji at yeah. the end or like the, the sob emoji. <laughs> the sob, sob emoji, emoji is, is almost overused emoji. Where I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. Whatever it is. But either way, 
th- the point of the conversation is this conversation will last mm-hmm. 45 seconds max, mm. you know, because it's, it's a quick back and forth. And that's what I use text messages for, you know, what really like puts my anxiety level up mm. is people that text one sentence or one phrase at a time mm-hmm. via text. So it's like, oh, like yo, chunks. yo, text I, messages. I'm sorry. Hey, text <laughs> message. Uh, I wanted to ask you something. Text message. Yeah. How do you feel about XYZ? Text message. Because I'm thinking text message. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do I have 14 notifications right now? I'll do better. <laughs> You're not even the worst. No, I'm sure I'm not. Like, I usually do that. Like, like I, I max out at five. <laughs> But yeah, I'm like, just put it all in one text. It's yeah. one th- one train of thought. Yeah, yeah. I'm so nervous when I get 14 notifications within the span of 30 seconds. Because it does. I think that too. You, it feels like it's a crisis almost. If you yes. have anything more than five notifications, yes. I'm always like, wait, is this? Is the world ending? Like, so then is this where the voice note? Is replacing the text message. I, that's that's what Vox is reporting in this. And I'll say this as I've gotten. I have sent voice notes. Wow. And I think I like them. Wow. Because there's times too, like you were saying, you would just call like Corey and say, hey, you know, can you also pick this up? Because I forgot it. A voice note does the same thing, mm. gets it there, don't have to worry about a response. Um, mm. Also, like sometimes, because I also like, I'm one of those friends who like sending out motivational texts to people, like friends, uh-huh. um, where I'm just like, like people who I know like need it like on the regular. Okay. So it's just like, hey, like friend, just letting you know, like hope you have a great week. You know, hope the baby's doing well. Blah 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 blah. Like you got this. And now, and that's with, a voice note. No, no. Like I would text that regularly, okay. but now I think voice note style it's better because it's uh, like you hear the voice and you hear the sure. chipperness and you hear the the like, hey, like it's me. And Rooster's yeah. pretty chipper. If you haven't, uh, this is true. I'm a very chipper. That's the tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so I just this past weekend got a voice note mm-hmm. in response to a message I sent. It wasn't a text. It was messenger, but still, you know, it's like a text. It's mm-hmm. a uh, communication app. I got a voice note. I didn't even realize I got a voice note. Yeah. I've until uh, they sent a follow up via text. written text. Yeah. And then I was like, what's this voice note? And at that point. I still haven't heard it. I have no idea what's on that voice note. And I think because part of it to me feels like a voice note feels very public. I will say I don't think the rules of voice notes are completely established. I don't think they are. Because, yeah, like I have some friends who I would never trust a voice note from. Like I would – they could totally voice note me. And I'm waiting until I'm in like at home yeah, by myself with headphones. Hit, I don't yeah. know. Like it just it feels one of those things where like if I see a voice note, I'm not going to listen to it right. until I'm in a space where I can listen to it just me. But it's also like this is where technology goes in weird, interesting ways. Because you remember like ringtones uh-huh. and how much we cared about like yes. that your ringtone played yes. like low by Flow Rider. Uh-huh. And, and now and you would ev- assign ringtones based on who was yeah. calling. And now you just keep your phone on like vibrate, vibrate. all the time. Yeah, so uh, we'll figure it out. I like I do like voice notes, but yeah, I don't trust it 100% yet. Where I would I, I would open a voice note in public because I got friends who just would. I'm about to open this voice flagrant. note. I'm about to open this voice note. This for may the be edited. First time. Yeah, we may cut this out. Uh, but this, uh, the, I'm, I'm sure I know what this says. But uh, still. Insert voice message here. 
But that's what I mean. That's a great voice note. And sure, but I did I didn't see it a and I didn't listen to it b until there was a follow up text message mm-hmm. being like, "Hey, can you come tomorrow at ten a.m.?" And I was yeah. like, "Yeah, we can make ten a.m. work." You know, like it made it happen. This was uh, Mecca. Oh, Mechamorphosis? Uh, Mechamorphosis was playing Juliet in a production oh, of Romeo and Juliet in the Chesapeake Bay Shakespeare Company. Shout out. And they had a morning performance for a bunch of high school students that came and saw. It was amazing. Hey. Look, the performance was amazing. They clocked it at under two hours. Shout out to them and their editing team because yeah. that is not easy. Uh, the, the performance itself was very, very good. Uh, the actors were engaged. The audience was here for it. These, these teenagers did not know that they were going to be so invested in Romeo and Juliet. The part of it that made it the best was, so they sectioned off, they had us all sit in a specific section for Friends of Mecca. Mm-hmm. Friends of Mecca had their own section. <laughs> That's how you know you're a baller in your city yeah. right there. And the way that the theater is set up, is set up kind of like the Globe, yeah. where it's a small theater. You know, they've got the floor seats and then the mezzanine seats, and they're all around this thing. There's no microphones or anything like that. It's yeah. very traditional Shakespeare sort of deal. Sure. Uh, so we were up, up house left, and down house right was this one girl. She's probably um, 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, who was living <laughs> for the performance in that she had no poker face whatsoever. As Just things happened, stunned. things were being revel- you know, revealed. She was like, oh, and she'd cover her mouth and she'd look left and right. And be like, oh, my God, is this happening? Oh, no. They don't really let are star crossed. They're killing each other. Like, all of it, like, gave me everything I needed in yeah, yeah. an audience member. And that was my favorite. I wouldn't say that was my favorite part of the yeah, performance, yeah. but that made the performance. It's like that, yeah, that extra <laughs> note that just kind of takes it over. Yeah, the yeah. Top that audience. Yeah, because, like, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. My, How many times have you seen it? Like, yeah, Jesus exactly. Christ. I don't, like, nothing. All the different variations, exactly. the updated contemporary versions. I did realize, so, yeah. though, that this was the first time I'd seen a live production of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, okay. I've seen movies. Uh-huh. I've seen Shout recordings. out to Baz Luhrmann. Always yes. welcome on a pod. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> one of the best. I don't know. Does this need to be an underrated favorites? Because sure. that is an Actually, that movie. would probably count. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I may jump in jump in there for that one. Yeah. Uh, but I, And I've seen recordings of productions. Yeah. And I've been in yeah. a production, but I realize I've never actually seen a live production of Romeo and Juliet. That's interesting. And uh, I was here for this one. Mm-hmm. It was smooth. It was uh, Mecca had us bawling. Like, I didn't know Mecca did theater. Yeah, yeah. Mecca, okay. Mecca is an actor. Uh, and uh, I'll be it, honest, I don't know enough about Mecca. I wish I did because Mecca is phenomenal. Everything I've ever seen Mecca do. Yeah, like, embodied Juliet in such a great way. Went from that like super innocent, uh-huh. soft little flower petal to like emotional wreck. Um, they're the nurse. Uh-huh. The nurse was a great actress. W- this is the first time I've seen the nurse as uh-huh. a full fledged human character with emotions <laughs> and depth and like the amount of care and love that she had for Julia. I'm just, 
it was very well done. If you are in the Baltimore area and you have a chance to check out the Chesapeake Bay Shakespeare Company's production of Romeo and Juliet, go fucking do yourself a favor. And do we it. gotta tag Mechamorphosis in this. Mechamorphosis. Put this, put this on uh, on the on the poster. Like these are some glowing reviews. I want to see it now. Like I didn't even take. No, a, yeah, there was a group of maybe like uh, ten of us that sure. were there. That were there for Women of the World. Yeah, that went and saw Mecca do this, and I think all of us walked away being like, "This was the right. This was the right move." Yeah, it was so good. It was really great. Uh, but she sent me a voice memo, a voice, <laughs> a voice note, and I just heard it for the first time right now, four days later, because I don't do voice notes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, someone's trying to convert me. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. I have no control over anything. The only thing I know is that we're moving on to our next segment, uh, which actually I realized did have a name. It was called going down, going down in the DMs. It was going down in the DMs. Sure. And then you renamed it to Ayo Get At Us. Sure. Whatever. I'm with it. We're here. It's going uh, down in the DMs. Hey, Ayo Get At Us. <laughs> <laughs> this is where uh, y'all email us, y'all DM us. You 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 have questions that we that you want us to answer for whatever reason or a topic you saw that you need discussed on this podcast. And so uh, we want to get to them. And we have – oh, do we have a few or is it just one No, it's just one. one. One main one. All right. Take it away. Shout out to the homie Larissa. You know Larissa. Yeah, yeah. yeah from the mixtape. That's right. Our uh, creative nonfiction editor. Yeah. Shout out to Larissa. If uh, you haven't uh, read the mixtape, go to W-A-O-S-A-T-X dot org. Yes. And check out the mixtape. There are three issues out there about uh, poetry, and fiction, and nonfiction uh, about music and how it has affected your life. Um. So uh, Larissa sent an article about... Monk mode. Uh, there was an article written by Emma Beddington from The Guardian, and Larissa said it's funny because it speaks to our emphasis on productivity and then our lack of ability to do anything. And so maybe as creatives, we can speak on this. Uh, but essentially, on TikTok and social media, there's these new hashtags of what is called monk mode, where it's mostly men uh, applying a monastic discipline to their working lives, uh, doing things like routines and focusing on a single task with no techn- technological distractions. Uh, but then there's others who will take it a step further, like cut alcohol, sleep eight hours a night, um, isolation, introspective, uh, introspection, that's the tequila talking, and improvement. Uh <laughs> And then I see this also kind of like social media life hacking. And sometimes you even see it registered as that, as life hacking. Uh, You have like these grind mode motivational individuals. Um, Uh So it's how I guess I have some questions. First off, do you struggle because you're a very busy person? I'm a very busy person. Do you really struggle with like monotasking, multitasking or both? No, <laughs> I, I no, I, and I and that's why I really wanted to talk about this with you because honestly, you're one of the few people who I I would I would agree with that. Like I know a lot of people who who do struggle. I think there's times I struggle. Uh, well, see, that's the thing. I don't think I struggle. I think what happens is is like I hit hard. Um, I'm done moments, mm. and then I'm just I'm done. Like mm-hmm. I'm I don't care if it's a single task. I don't care if I'm multitasking. But I'm just like I'm not doing that. I'm doing what I want. I want right mm-hmm. now. And I shut down. I go watch a lot of movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Watch the NBA. Um, 
So I don't think I really struggle with that, but I do know other people who do where it's like, it's just so hard to focus on like one task or multiple tasks. Um, so they start to regiment their life in this way and, and TikTok and Instagram are starting to perpetuate these movements of, of life hack, like hack your life, uh, to where you can get the maximum efficiency out of your day. I saw one video and this is no bullshit. And it was so annoyingly loud and ignorant where this guy who's like one of these motivational life hackers he says you know the way i get my the start of my day is my my first day starts from 6 a.m to noon that's one day i do everything in that day my second day noon to like 6 p.m so and then my next day 6 p.m to whatever midnight so by 10 p.m i already have two days out of you because in my mind i've unlocked like the 24 hour spectrum and like now approach life in this way and it's like my dude it's still 24 hours like how do you get more days than i do because you just thought that you do uh-huh. and he's like so you start compounding that and it just builds and it builds and it builds and now i got more days of work and practice behind my belt it's like you have more micro days behind uh, behind right. you Right. But we have the same amount of time. <laughs> but there's these cats who see that and they're just like, yeah, that's the way. That's the guru. That's what I need. Uh-huh. And I'm, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. There's a lot. Look, when you said monk mode, I immediately thought of Tony Shalhoub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Shout out to Tony Shalhoub. Always uh, welcome on the pod. Always welcome on the pod from the... 20- 13th, go- 13th Ghost. That's a great movie. 13th Ghost, but from the 2002 drama series, Monk. From the 1990 series, Wings. Ah. Yeah, I was Wings like a motherfucker. But Monk. That's, that's Monk what was I, great. No, Monk was fantastic. That's what I thought. Uh, I was very confused as to where this conversation was going. Uh, do I struggle with... Multitasking, no, uh, because of the way that my brain works, where it's like I can have multiple plates spinning at the same time, and uh, you are a master of calendars and spreadsheets. Yes, which I see sort of really helps. That's you. my Virgo rising. Sure, you know, helps keep things organized. I also have a a physical journal mm-hmm. wherein everything that needs to happen. Gets written down and yep. then gets shicked off, right? Mm-hmm. You got to make lists. I think you posted that recently. Yeah, yeah. No, make lists. Always. And so that helps me keep on track. But similar to you, like, I have a hard stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my boss was talking about it earlier today when we met. He was like, I don't think I know anyone that has as many projects going on as you do. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I do have a lot of projects. But I also do not compromise on my sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't compromise on my downtime. Mm-hmm. Like when I am done, we're shutting everything off and I'm going to go watch whatever, whatever movies, TVs. I'm going to go touch some grass. Yeah. I'm gonna, well, I don't know what. Right. Right. But it is. Treat yourself. Yes. We're going to stop and uh, we're going to walk away from whatever's happening because you know what? At the end of the day, it is not life or death. It is not crucial mm-hmm. that this happened in the next three minutes. Uh, if it is, I will go do it because <laughs> that's happened sometimes where like a text message comes in and it's like, hey, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot this. I have to go do it now. And that's fine because I can easily fluid my way into work mode and then fluid my way out of work mode. Right. I don't. I'm. Are you a big proponent of naps? Do you take naps? I don't take naps. OK, I, I, I'll. I'll. My husband takes that. I just texted him being like, do do you want to come be part of this conversation? Because I think he would have plenty (laughs) to offer to this because him and I operate on very different levels. Yeah. You know, he's an early riser. He he is a varied riser. Mm -hmm. So he does not have 
take eight hours of sleep. He will sleep for three hours, wake up for four, mm-hmm. sleep for another two, wake up for seven, sleep for another four. Like it's it's this back and forth fluctuation, which, yeah. you know, I've told him time and time again, like if that's what you need mm-hmm. to be most optimal with your day, then do Rock that. Out. Yeah. yeah. Not everyone needs to conform to this. Like I wake up at seven in the morning. I work nine mm-hmm. to five. I have dinner. I go to bed at 11. I sleep for eight hours and do it all again the next day. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't work for everybody. Right. So. Well, but you're not as much of an early riser. You're no. like, when is your optimal wake up time? 10 a.m.? 9 a.m. My 9 body wakes up every day at 9 a.m. without me trying. Right. And then I. Actually, that's true because that's how it was in Seattle. Yes. <laughs> and then, like it didn't matter like the time difference. You it, were just up at 9. 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Yeah. So. So it's 7 a.m. <laughs> Seattle time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, regardless of what time I go to sleep, most of the time. Like, yeah. unless I like I go to sleep at like 4 or 5 in the morning or something, then it mm-hmm. goes a little later. But 9 a.m., wake up. 10 a.m., I'm good to go. Right. Right? I wake up. It usually takes me 20 minutes to get out of the bed. I'll just lay there for a while. Sometimes I'll pick up my phone. I'll do social media. And then I'm like, all right, time to go. Come mm-hmm. downstairs. Have a little nibble. Pull myself my little B12 energy drink thingamabob. <laughs> and then sit my ass in front of the computer and go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think your life rhythm and knowing your life rhythm is important. And I don't think that's bullshit. Yeah. I think I – think, and you just because like I would say I'm more of a morning person. I love getting up. If I can get up at six, I'm ecstatic. That's, uh, but like I don't want like or I don't want to say I don't want to, but I would say that like that's horrendous. It depends on like the night before. So sure. At the latest, was I'm up there by an eight. open mic the night? Yeah, <laughs> things like that. But if I if it's just like my regular routine, like I would love to get up at like six every day, have a cup of coffee, do some exercise, start before mm-hmm. other people are up, and then mm-hmm. before you know it, I do feel like I knock out the majority of my work before nine. Sure. And then I can do whatever I need to. Um, and I think going back to like Larissa's point about this idea of like monk mode or the ability to multitask or, or monotask. And I do know a lot of people who also struggle with like, um, like ADHD or mm-hmm. just sort of like anxiety when it comes to too many projects or, or heaping on too much. And I think you have to, to really listen to yourself and you have to advocate for yourself a bit mm-hmm. and you have to take that time. Like yeah. if you're not taking that time and like like having those hard lines, because like there's times even like with us where we do so much stuff together and it's like I'll text you like, hey, Chibi. And if I don't hear from you, I just know like, OK, yeah, Chibi's just done or mm-hmm. like whatever. And like, that's fine. Like you'll get back to Busy, me. Busy, whatever. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's important, too. You have to have like we say work life balance, but it's also like work life but then also you balance Mm -hmm. because sometimes i don't feel guilty if i don't do anything like i if i'm just home you know what i mean some people do they'll they'll feel like well i i didn't work but i just stayed home like for the whole weekend and did nothing i was just scrolling on instagram the whole time i'm like that's great that's fine yeah that's what you needed take your time fuck yeah take a step back watch those memes that made you giggle (laughs) you know like totally yeah and I think you you hit it on there where it's like know what your kind of like what is your optimal like mm-hmm. routine and whatnot. Similarly, like my husband does get up usually like we'll go to bed at like two in the morning or something and then wake up at five in the morning and be up for a number of hours before going back to bed. Uh, and I've realized like for him, he loves that morning quiet time, right? Mm-hmm. 
those hours between like five and nine p.m. where like everything outside a.m. a.m. <laughs> yes, where everything outside is quiet, everything inside yeah. is quiet. The pets are sleeping. It's so dark. The it's cool. Sleeping, you know, yeah. like that quiet time is his time, and so like. Oftentimes, even if I do wake up at like seven or eight, I'll just stay in bed yeah. because it's like he need, it's his quiet time. Mm-hmm. Let him have his quiet time. I'll just lay here. It'll yeah. be fine. It'll be fine. And same if you're like a sleepy like person, like, you know, there's I know mad sleepy people who just <laughs> you just love to stay in bed and sleep. And and I know and, and I similarly have this kind of issue sometimes where I just want to stay in bed. And if I have a hard, like, I'm done, I've gotten my work done or maybe it's not completely done, but I just I need to shut down. I'll just stay in bed. I do think sometimes it, I hit that wall of like, am I doing this because I'm depressed? Or am hey, I doing this? that's the question. Yeah, and that's the real question. It is, but then like I, I, I think I, I've, I've come far enough to where I'm like, no, 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 this is literally like I just want to be here. Yeah, because it's comfy and I'm totally fine with it and it's yeah. great. We so, yeah. we call it the depression kitty. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen Big Mouth. Yeah, uh, where it's literally like a yeah. giant kitty that like envelops you and it's like, mm-hmm. hey, just yeah. stay right here. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fine. Sleep, sleep all day. Yeah. So uh, is it the depression kitty or is it you just acknowledging that like, no, I need some rest right now in order to be productive. Rest is part of productivity. Mm -hmm. You know, so redefine again. What is monk mode like? Monk mode is again this idea that like mostly dudes are are are, are perpetrated. Fucking dudes, fucking fucking it all up. Dudes, man. (laughs) They do this where where it's this idea of like. I don't know. Like, I guess I would relate it back to like the nineties of like those like infomercials. Like, are you tired with your life? Then call now and we'll send you these tapes and these, you know, self-help things. And now the self-help gurus are just like in your phone and in your life through Instagram and like meta. And it's annoying. And, and I I do think there is some, uh, I, I won't give them a ton of credit, but there is some value to, if you are struggling, you know, with, purpose with motivation with creativity whatever and you see something like this uh that that sort of helps you come up with those rituals or come up with that that structure uh for your day-to-day but i think i live a really unstructured life like but but i don't feel guilty for it like i don't ever feel like i'm i've I'm not productive even in my unstructuredness yeah. because I work I work my ass off when I work my ass off. And I think it's it, it's going back to like knowing what works for you, right? right? You know, like I have found out that like, yes, with my 47 projects that I'm always working on, time blocking works for me where I just put in my calendar from two to four, I am working on the podcast. Cool. Everything else takes a back seat. Yeah. And then from Everything. four to six, I'm working on this. And then from six to seven, I'm working on that, right? Like time blocking for me mm-hmm. works. Uh, similarly, like, I think what I'm hearing is that this kind of like lifestyle, this monk mode lifestyle, if it works for you, then do it. You know, like it feels to me akin to something like AA Sure. to where it's like, if you've been struggling for a while and you found a system that works for you, that helps you, that actually allows you to, you know, be like your best self. be your best self, then fuck what anybody else thinks. Like roll with that system as long mm-hmm. as you feel like you are now living your best life. Yay. Mm-hmm. We're here for it. Mm-hmm. That's the nail clapping for you. <laughs> hear it. Hear it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, monk mode, I don't know anything about it. Being productive. Just do your best, man. We, you know, get shit done. And and you know what? And Cut rest. the music. Cut the music. Cut the music. Do your best. Rest up. 
And also understand, like, you have to give grace to your own humanity, man. Like, I think you said it in a very well put way where you said, you know, like, when I'm focused on the one thing, like, I, I, I block out the other distractions. I think sometimes that's something else people have a hard time asking for permission for. Mm. Like, listen, if this is your, like, I understand family life, whatever, like, these other influences and 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 situations creep into your time but sometimes you have to like really earnestly take that time and if the people or jobs or whatever care about you genuinely then they'll respect that they'll understand you'll get back to them in an hour yeah when you're done with whatever it is that you're doing so time block people use your calendars use your calendars be the best you whether it's a paper calendar or an electronic calendar i don't know if this is the don cosme talking but you know what (laughs) we're ending on a high note god damn it that's right be your best self we support you shout out to larissa All right, our Are we outro. going back to calling that uh, down? In, it goes down in the DM? Or? Whatever. It can be both. Yeah. I, by the time we get to this part in the schedule of the show, <laughs> we've already had enough tequila we, we, in. We're just like, yeah, this, this is, is someone DM me a question. Yeah. Chatting it up with Chibi and Rooster. <laughs> Rooster, ruining, Rooster ruining the alliteration, although yeah. Rooster ruining is alliteration. Yeah. Chatting it up with Chibi and Rooster. No, we're now at our outro. Anything coming up that you'd like to share? Um, You got a book. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I, I want to talk about this. Yet. I'm sure. so excited about this. Yeah, uh, right about now, publishing is putting out my next collection of work, uh, Mexican Dinosaur. I'm very excited about it. You're very excited about that title. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I love that title. <laughs> um, and I, I really love the work that's in it. I'm very happy for it. So um, looking forward to putting it together, finalizing it, and hopefully end of summer-ish or before, who knows. Maybe before. We'll, uh, we'll see how the editing process goes. Yeah, it'll be coming out soon, so be on the lookout for that. Follow me on social media That's for right. it. Being edited by Ayokunle Falomo. Who we love. We, You're always welcome on the pod. Mm-hmm. We stan. Uh, Ayokunle just released his book with Flower Song Press Afro, called um, Af- Afro- African American. Yes, African American on Flower Song Press. If you haven't gotten a copy of it yet, Please do. Uh, he's going to be editing Rooster's book. I'm super excited for this this collaboration. I'm just like, ah! Okay. Uh, I what am, about you? What are you excited about? What am I? I was just looking at my schedule. I got like three performances uh, that I'm traveling to. You know what I'm really most excited about? Yeah. This Thursday. Oh. I am going to Austin. Yeah. At the Moody Amphitheater. Okay. Where there is going to be a performance that is a mashup of Brahms' Fifth Symphony mm-hmm. and Radiohead's OK Computer. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. That's, that's some elite <laughs> shit. That's elite. Wow. I, I'm envious. I saw I saw this because uh, Karen, yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to Karen, always welcome in the pod, Karen from San Antonio, who works in the theater world here and also in the poetry and writing world, uh, posted about it, and me and my husband were like, wait a second, what? Brahms Fifth Symphony with Radiohead's OK Computer? Where do we get tickets? <laughs> and reached out to a friend of ours in Austin, Amy, former colleague, shout out to Amy, always welcome on the pod. Uh, and so we're all going to go together and like... I cried looking at the preview. No, to I'm, this. I bet. Yeah, like it is powerful. Yeah. It is fucking powerful. So I'm really. That's what I'm excited about. We'll talk about it next week, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Radiohead. Yeah, because I think that it's about time for a 
reexamination. Yeah, they had some. They had some. They peaks. had some later work that I think valleys. needs some examination. I love the. I don't remember if that was the name of the album, but that "Burn the Witch" album. I that, that was the main song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, that I album exactly went hard. You know, I think next week we'll talk about Radiohead. We'll talk about some maybe Portishead, maybe all the heads, yeah. Superhead, <laughs> uh, Motorhead, <laughs> Motorhead. <laughs> <laughs> Talking Heads, the Talking Heads. Man, uh, we'll we'll examine that. I don't know what we're doing anymore. All right. <laughs> uh, but we appreciate all the listeners. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Uh, please follow, like, and sh- sh- subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. Someone's got to teach a class after this, and oh, it's not me. It's going to be a great class. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you aren't already, please like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get this podcast. It really helps us get the word out there. If you think this is interesting in whatever way, shape, or form, please do. We don't have social media yet. We don't have a webpage. This might evolve. We're not sure. Tell us what you want want from us is mm-hmm. basically what I'm asking right now and you can tell us by emailing us at after two tequila shots at gmail.com that's after the number two tequila shots at gmail.com if you want to follow rooster you can at instagram r-o-o-s-t-m-t-z that's right and if you want to follow me it's gemini's g-e-m-i-n-e-y-e-s or gemini's poetry g-e-m-i-n-e-y-e-s poetry it's out there uh, follow us let's do this thing yeah thank you all <laughs> <laughs>